The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sports Talk New York with the spot on Sports Guys. Mike Trezza, Mike Adone with you for the next hour here on WGBB 1240 AM, 95.9 on your FM dial, 516-955-1240. That is the number to get in the batter's box and drive one deep with us tonight. We want your phone calls, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've got a heavy dose of Mets Yankee Met preview. We'll do some NBA later on. Before we do any of that, let me say hi to my co-host, the man we call the coach, Mike Adone. Trez, in the words of Peaches and Herb, reunited, and it feels so good. Oh, absolutely. It's been a while, but uh, it's interesting. Every time we come on the air, one team's up, one team's down, one team's up, one team's down. It seems like all teams are down this time. We don't want to scare anybody off with a heavy dose of Mets, but it, it's it's got to be. We We have to have... Our man Cappy, come on and let us know what it's all about. We'll talk Yankees with you uh, and a little hoops probably later on. Yeah, we've got a lot to get to tonight. But, you know, Yankee met at City Field. This was a series that about three weeks ago, Mike, I was really, really looking forward to. It's kind of lost some of the luster now. No Alonzo, no Judge. And I'm taking a look at some of the pitching matchups, trying to count back a number of days. It looks like the Yankees are going to get both Scherzer and um, Verlander in this series. So well, that's that's good news, at least from a from a drawing standpoint. Although Verlander's been very up and down, and uh, Scherzer, everybody loves to see him come out. Um, you you know those games sell out no matter what. But like you said, it's a there's a little starch out of those because of. You know, the star power of, of, of Judge and, and Alonzo is not going to be there. Yeah, I'll tell you, Mike. I've done Yankee Met about four times. I've done it at City. I've done it at Shea. I've done it at Yankee. And i got to tell you, it never really loses its luster. As long as both teams are reasonably good, um, there's usually a lot of juice in the building, and you can't get enough, let's go, Yankee, let's go, that. <laughs> you know, like all night long with yeah. that, you know. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, I think... Like I said, it's going to be missing something with with no judge, with no Pete. I mean, you know, can we just proclaim those two guys the two best home run hitters in the game right now? Oh, my gosh, without a doubt. I mean, it, it, it's such a loss for the Mets, and, and we'll get to that. But, yeah, those – I mean, Alonzo, 22 home runs going into this point, 49. He's, he's an established, you know, top-tier slugger, and we all know what judge can do. But – you know, in terms of the matchups, Mike, pitching matchups, just to get back to that for a second, you know, that game that the Yankees had to blow off last week with the bad air quality really kind of messed us up a little bit. Not that our rotation is great right now anyway, but um, I think the most important thing they need to do is to keep Cole on rotation, keep him on his day. So it looks like on Wednesday we're going to get a Cole Verlander matchup, and then Tuesday the Yanks can either go with the kid Vasquez that just pet um, just pitched once, mm-hmm. or Savvy against Scherzer. Well, 
I'm sure I think I know where you'd like to go with that, but th- th- those could be two big-time matchups. We're going to talk about it, but if the Mets can get two gems from Scherzer and Verlander, especially the Verlander-Cole matchup, anything for momentum. But th- at least that's got a little sauce to it. I think you'd be surprised where I want to go with that. I yeah. actually think I would rather go with the kid Vasquez. Really? Well, he's only started one game, but the thing is, is that the Mets have never seen him. True. They might not have a lot on him. And you know, here's the thing, Mike, is that Savvy, when he first came off the IL, he had two really good outings, and the last three outings, he's looked really yeah, bad. I mean, I don't know if you saw that Friday night game out in L.A. Yeah. He got slapped around the ballpark like a pinata. I didn't think he was going to get out of the first inning. Well, listen, one thing with the Mets, it doesn't matter really right now whether they've seen pitchers or not. I mean, I think I could go up there and throw strikes, and, and they'd have a hard time hitting. Yanks in action right now. It is Brian Bello for the uh, for the Sox taking on Clark Schmidt. And, you know, it's funny, Mike. I complained a lot about Clark Schmidt early in the season, I, you know, I mean, listen, he was miserable. He's got a two, uh, two and six record, 4.96 ERA. But the thing about Schmidt is that opposite of Severino, he's actually been good lately. His last four starts, 2.49 ERA. Um, when I was driving here, he did give up a homer against your former buddy, Justin Turner. Yes. Well, Yankees are up 2-1. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He's gone three and a third, uh, you know, four, four hits. One earned run, 4K, so he's doing the job. How'd the Yanks uh, score? The Yank. oh, you put me on the spot here now. Let's see. Yankees. Oh, boy. I don't have it in front of me. I, I, I have, rely I on have you limited, I have limited, <laughs> limited, limited capabilities. When, limited when we get technical off, skills. When we get, when we get rid of, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say This is how I know you're not millennial, Mike. You can't work <laughs> both the, I, the, uh, well, computer right. and the phone. Trevino's same. got two RBIs. Oh, that's a good, that's good. Yeah. I like uh, that. So I'm assuming maybe he hit home run. All right. That's nice. Uh, I'll take it. Whatever. Okay. I'll take it. Good. Um, so Mets lose okay. today, Mike. Oh, yeah. Um, Carrasco, four and two thirds innings. But here's the thing is that when I saw Buck coming out there to take him out, I was like, you know what, Buck? You're doing, you're doing the right thing right here. Bases were loaded. I mean, we're in the fifth inning. Carrasco, again. Um, and it's a good thing that Buck did take him out yes. when he did. And Carrasco's bugaboo normally has been first innings. Right. And, and, and exactly. every, you know, everybody can see that. Um, that, that's the right move at that part. The Mets have some kind of insane, and I'm sure Cappy will let us know. I think it's like 17 and one when they their starter goes six innings plus. Uh, so you want to try to stretch out, you know, Carrasco as much as you can. But no, you had you had to you had to yank him at that point. But the you know the offense didn't do anything, nope. and you guys end up losing two to one to the Pirates. Lost two out of three in Pittsburgh. Now eight of their last nine. Um, mm. Ten games back in the Ooh. division, Mike, and here to talk some Mets with us is Mr. Every Fan of the <laughs> New York Mets. He is a member of the Seven Line Army, our intrepid Mets reporter, the man we call Cap, Chris Caputo. Hello, fellas. Good to have both of you back in the studio, and let's get going. Ah, uh, Chris. So, um, any thoughts on today's game or the the um, the series in Pittsburgh before we uh, backtread a little bit to the series down in Hotlanta? Well, I guess the only bright spot would have been yesterday getting Kodai Senga to throw some good innings, and then uh, 
you know, getting some spark out of Mr. Alvarez and Kana. Otherwise, three hits today, embarrassing. Uh, can hit Rich Hill, um, 43 years old. Uh, don't sit there and tell me that this, this pitch clock is affecting all the older pitchers when you get a guy throwing seven innings and is the oldest man in any sport right now currently. Cap, wasn't he on the Mets at one point? He was. Oh, and, okay. uh, right. now, you now, know, he's been everywhere. He went up to, yep, went up to Boston and now he's, uh, you know, pitching pretty well with Pittsburgh and the Mets just can't do anything. When they hit, they can't pitch and when they pitch, they can't, you know, they'll get seven runs and give up eight and it's just, um, it's really embarrassing right now that every single person on this team can take fault in some way, shape or form. So let's go back to the series in Atlanta, Chris. I know you don't want to, but we have to. I mean, you guys were ahead by three runs or more, all three games in that series, and the Braves ended up coming back and sticking it to you for three games in a row. And it was really that Thursday night game, Chris, that to me was a real, real killer. You had Robertson on the mound in the ninth. He gives up the homer. And then, of course, Tommy Hunter never should have been in that game, but he was. And he gives up the three-run jack uh, to seal the deal for the Bravos. But, you know, honestly, Mike, it was Tuesday night that was the killer. You lose that game when you're winning, and Scherzer looked great early on. I mean, he was mowing people down. And this guy's making 40 plus million dollars and he can't go out there and shut people down. And then the next night to get a total, total flunker, Verland just, you know, can't even get through three innings. The third night you knew, Mike, that at some point they were going to fall apart. I don't care if they were up 9-5. I sat there and I was texting people saying, who's getting the walk-off for the Braves? They own them right now. There is not one thing. I don't care. At this point, the bullpen has been decimated so much that David Robertson is coming in there, and he's doing something that Edwin Diaz should be doing. He's not doing something that David Robertson should be doing, or Seth Lugo should be doing, or Brooks Raley should be doing. We're asking these guys to do things that they haven't done. There's 17 combined starts this year. Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander have a 4.19 ERA for the two highest salary players in Major League Baseball history. It's unacceptable. David Peterson can't make it out of a game in a minor league start in the first inning. Jose Quintana, just like Carlos Rodon, hasn't even pitched yet. It's embarrassing right now. You knew they were going to lose all three of those games. You just didn't know who was going to get the game-winning RBI. The pitching, like you said, especially the bullpen and and the starters, has just been horrific. Um, I, I want to just kind of change gears a little bit, talk about uh, Francisco Lindor. Now, he's been fantastic with the glove. I mean, I, I don't, you know, that's that's always been his thing. But you're talking about it. He's got he's hitting two sixteen with sixty four strikeouts. I mean, 64 strikeouts in 66 games. We know he was a big strikeout guy to begin with, but can he make an adjustment and maybe just get on base every once in a while? Yeah, I think that's part of the problem right now is he just looks lost up there. And, you know, those pitches on the outside corner, um, you know, he's just not touching. He usually normally would go the other way with that. You know, the Mets probably picked up on somebody that um, they needed to spend money on because they wanted to make that trade. They gave up two big prospects to get him here. Um, but he's got his money, and, you know, he's not that great of a player offensively, but he can give you the pop. You know, he is, I think, top four in RBIs. He's got over 40 RBIs. It's just that consistently, day in and day out, you're not going to get out of him the 240, 250, 260. Um, and I think that is a problem. 
But I don't think Francisco Lindor is the biggest problem because, yeah, he had one or two mental breakdowns. He took the, the blame for the defensive breakdowns. He's doing enough for you defensively, and he's getting you enough RBIs. It's the other guys that just the law of averages have caught up, uh, caught up to. I mean, just think about, like, you know, they call that kind of like uh, the regression to the mean, as I do in my stats class. Like, last year the Mets won 101 games, but that was smoke and mirrors. Those guys are coming back to reality. Right now the Mets would, I believe, have to go something like 60 and 37 to get 90 wins this year. <laughs> If, if you're selling tickets, that's a scary prospect. Um, scary. Any, I mean, I mean, I've watched the games too, as as well as you have. But if, if you were going to pick at least maybe one bright spot right now from a hitting standpoint, is there anybody out uh, in this lineup that you go, you know what? All right, we're plugging him in now, and, and he's going to do a little something, especially with the loss of Alonzo. I mean, with the loss of Alonzo, that guys, that's huge. I mean, you've got a month of of a guy who's uh, one of the top power prospects out there, and and there was no support for him in the lineup when he was in there. So when he's out, who's going to pick it up? Um, the biggest guy that I have pushed to play every day is Francisco Alvarez. I mean, the guy, he's a monster out there, and he's got to play every day, and you just got to live with the mistakes he's going to make. Um, offensively, there's guys that just have too many ups and downs. I thought Brett Beatty would come up here and do really well. He struggled. Um, but I think... You know, you have some professionals on this team, but they got to step it up. The Martes and the Connors definitely have to yeah. step it up. You know, Nimmo has struck out way more times than he has in the past. He's got like 60 strikeouts this year. So it's just a matter of putting the ball in play this year. 516-623-1240. That's the phone number. Chris Caputo now. Some Yankee talk, some NBA talk later. Chris, you know, you talk about fans doing a 180. I mean, last year when Daniel Vogelback got here, every Met fan was, oh, we love this guy. Hey, you know, this big chubby guy, he looks like a guy on my softball team. Or he looks like me out there playing softball. And now, I mean, Chris, it's gotten vitriolic on social media, on the talk shows. Every call, every comment is not only get this guy out of the lineup, get this guy off the team. Yeah, and I think when you plug a guy in, now remember, they did trade um, this guy Holderman who pitched for uh, the Pirates, now from the Pirates. Um, at the time, Daniel Vogelbach was brought in to a team that was winning, a team that was in first place. So I think you kind of stuck him in there, and you were like, oh, okay, no big deal. But um, the Mets got him on the cheap because they did well last year, and he was a very small part of that. You know, it was just like, oh, look at this big guy out on the field. They signed him to a $1.5 million contract. There's really no loss if you, if you just cut him. Um, but I think it's really just a distraction right now. Uh, there were some reports. On, you know, a lot of people like to, to believe, um, you know, some of the things that, that people say. And um, Carlos Baerga is one of the guys saying that Ronnie Mauricio might get called up. That's supposedly false. Uh, he will not be called up for the, the Yankees series. Um, but at some point, Mauricio is going to have to come up here because without Alonzo, you could plug him in at second base, move McNeil to the outfield and Connor to first base, and uh, just let the kids play. But Vogel back right now, it's horrible. Like The guy has hit two home runs the whole year, and um, he's just not even making contact. And, and that's the biggest thing with the Mets is runners in scoring position has become a big problem for them. And when you have guys on the bench that you're just not – Put, looking to put in there. It's not just Vogelback, it's Escobar. I mean, is he going to be a limited player? Are you going to get rid of him? Or are you going to start kicking him back in there, you know, uh, in a platoon role with Brett Beatty? Because the guy can hit. It's just that when these guys go sour, everybody gets on them here in New York. 
So, Cap, let's put you on the spot here. You're Buck Showalter. You're in the you're in the dugout first game of the Yankee series. What are you doing to try to get this team going? Well, I think the the first thing is um, the Mets need to address some bullpen issues, and they need to you know if it means designating more guys for assignment, and you know they have to go out there and try to for not an expensive price get a guy who's a decent bullpen guy. Now, I'm not, I know the reason why the Kansas City Royals picked up Aroldis Chapman this year for $14 million. They did it so they can get prospects back at the trade deadline. They didn't expect to help them win, you know, games going to the playoffs. But that's not a guy I'm looking for. I'm looking for a guy who's maybe in his late 20s, is starting, you know, 30 years old, starting to prosper a little bit. You've got to get some guys in the bullpen that are going to help you because you can't keep, I'm sorry, I'm done with the Drew Smiths. You know, I'm done with uh, Adam Adovino. Oh, like, he's been, this stuff, what happened to him? Gee whiz. It, it, these guys are 38 years old and being asked to pitch every day. Guys are being asked to, you know, go out there and, and, and pitch hurt, and it just, it's really bad. So I think for Buck, the number one thing is make sure that he's got guys in the bullpen. But number two, um, you know, you don't have any power out there. You can't keep throwing guys out there that can't hit. Um, but, you know, I, honestly, um, this is a really rough stretch for the Mets, and it's not just the Yankees. Um, the Mets have a really tough month. they got the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Astros, and the Phillies coming up, and this could be a really tough month of, uh, of June. And now you're looking up at not only the Braves, Chris, but also um, also the Marlins as well. And the Phillies. And the, the Phillies. Phillies just, yeah. The Phillies just went on a, a winning streak, and, you know, we you get these guys when they're down. You know, we got the Oakland A's when they're down. The Oakland A's just won five games in a row. They stink, but they can find a way to win. You've got to get teams when they're down. And honestly, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Mike, but catching the Braves in, in early June is bad because we don't see the Braves 19 times a year anymore. We're pretty much done with the Braves, and we caught them at a time where they were striking. And the Mets were just – I had shades of last year, the last three games of the season, throwing Scherzer out there, throwing DeGrom, Throwing Chris Bassett, none of them could do anything. So you guys mentioned the Kitty Core. Uh, obviously, Alvarez has been a very pleasant surprise. Already 25 RBIs, Chris. Um, Beatty has been okay. I mean, 230, 17 RBIs, but Vientos is the guy who uh, people were expecting something from, and up till this point, has not lived up to the billing, hitting just a buck seventy-five with five ribbies. Do you want to send him down, Chris? Is he just not ready? What's the issue with Mark Vientos? I'm not saying Mark Vientos is, you know, a shortstop for the for the Yankees that's getting called up on day one, and everybody's all excited that he's a hometown boy, and we're going to see where he goes. But those guys struggle too. And people were talking about sending those guys back down. You just gotta play them every day. You can't take a guy to hit 11 home runs and 333 in the minor leagues and tell him to play two out of seven days a week. Let the kids play. Let them play every day and see what happens. Because you know what? They're doing better than the other guys. Now you want to put in, um, you know, once a week Eduardo Escobar. You want to put in once a week, you know, some of these other guys, sure. But Vientos, if you let him play every day, against Major League Hitting is going to do better. Now, I'm not saying he's the end-all and be-all. He struggled last year, too. But the two guys that pretty much need to play every day are Alvarez and Beatty. And, uh, you know, at 31 and 35, you don't make a run now. I, I believe the Mets will not be buyers at the All-Star break because like, I, I just don't see them giving up. If last year Billy Epler said we're not giving up prospects, 
at the trade deadline, why would you do it this year? If that's your plan, you got to stick to it and just ride it out. And if you stink this year, you stink. And then maybe you get rid of some of these guys. You you, you brought up a good point, Cap, about um, you know Vientos playing and, and letting the kids play. It seems like the Mets just don't have an identity right now or a plan. It's like they're, they're trying to, you know, just tread water or, or throw buckets of water out of a sinking boat. It's like, what can we do? You know, what can go wrong next? It, it's really, it, it's almost like with this subtraction now of Alonzo, which is an unfortunate one, they're kind of forced to make a decision here. Are we going young or are we going to, you know, continue to just do, like you said, play Vientos two out of seven games? It, they they have to find an identity and just stick with it. And you're right. If they stink, they stink. If not, you know what? At, at least they're going down with guys playing, um, who are the future of the team. Because you're right, they're not going to be buyers at the at the trade deadline. Why would they be? No, I, I think that's ridiculous to go out there and start raiding other teams. You know, 18 win teams. Now, here's the last thing, guys. Thank goodness the Mets did not get Carlos Correa. Could you, could you imagine what we would be doing to the Mets if we had another $30, $40 million on our payroll and he was out there and injured? So, I mean, they, they dodged a bullet there. They dodged a bullet not getting, uh, bringing back Jacob DeGrom, who's now done for the year. Like, these are bullets that the Mets dodged. But you know what? If you're going to dodge those bullets, you've got to go out there and secure yourself. They did not secure the DH. They knew Darren Ruff stunk, and they let him come to spring training and didn't have a replacement for him. They knew Daniel Vogelbach wasn't going to be the answer, but they did not go out there and address that situation. But I think you're right, Mike. Like, you've got to have an identity. All of a sudden, Jeff McNeil's playing second base, right field, first base, and then we got, you know, Mark Hanna's playing left field, right field, first base. Nobody knows when they're playing, where they're playing. It's just a hot mess, and you couldn't name half the guys in the bullpen. There's no identity out there, and it's frustrating. You know, I sit there every day in school, just these kids, you know, my staff class, they look at me and they're like, what's going on? You just don't want to talk about it anymore, and you want to have a good summer. You want to think like, oh, this is going to be a great summer. This is it. And last summer, that's kind of how I felt. But this is the same team you brought back, but the law of averages are coming back, and um, I, I really don't know what the answer is right now. Um, but I just know that the Mets don't have a good feel, and I know this is probably not the topic here, but like, it's a clubhouse thing right now. These guys are down, and they know they're going to lose, as opposed to, hey, we're excited, we're pouring water on each other's guy's head every time we get a walk-off. They don't have that feeling anymore. They, they're defeated. All right, so Chris, I'm going to bring up one with you that I think is going to tick you off, and I have to say it, Chris, and I have to say it to Mike, too, even though Mike's going to get ticked off at me, okay? Um, I asked both of you guys this question. I don't remember if it was last season or the one before. It seems to me, Chris, that a lot of people around the Mets are waiting or have been waiting for Pete Alonso to grow into that role and be the unquestioned undisputed leader of this team. And instead, Chris, of him stepping up and being the guy to everybody everybody looks to, to not just to hit home runs, but to do things the right way, now he's dropping dropping F bombs on the mic. Now he's doing the group hump thing. Now he's doing um hey, throw me that pitch again nonsense. And you know what, Chris? I gotta say it, even if you guys won't. It's a lack of leadership. I think Mets and people around the Mets want Pete to be their leader, and I think that up until now he's still open acting like a dopey frat boy. I'll let Mike talk first. <laughs> 
You got to cool off there. <laughs> I, I, you, Listen, I got to say you're it. You're right. No, you're 100% right. Listen, the immaturity only goes, you know, so far until you, it's cute for a little while, like right. I said. And the man's 28 years yeah, of age, I mean, Mike. When, when they ripped his jersey off a couple of years ago and, you know, he's the chubby polar bear and, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, at, Let's, you know, F and go Mets and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, okay. On. That, that, not even that it was cute, but all right. It was a little something. Now it's just boorish and, and you're 100% right. Um, you know, who are you going to pick as a leader on this team? I mean, I think, I, I think Nimmo is, is, is the most professional guy you'll see out there. You know, Lindor should be, but he, you know, he's, he's too busy making commercials and everything else. Uh, I'm, you know, Alonzo is going to give you, you know, what he gives you, but in terms of being a leader, I, I don't, he, he needs, he needs a, cor- a crash course on how to grow up. All right, Cappy, I'll defer to you. But why does Alonzo need to be that leader? Why can't he just be the guy that gets everybody excited? Because why can't you don't he have anybody else, Chris. You're talking about that locker room. But, Mike, last year nobody had an issue when the Mets were winning. He was hitting home runs. The guy hit 53 home runs. Not a person said a bad word about him. Look at this guy. He's a rookie hitting 50-something homers. Did he act the same way the judge did? No. You have a guy in Lindor and Nimmo. Not one of these guys has had to step up to the mic and say, you know what, I'm embarrassed by what Pete Alonso did. This is the way the game is. People are jumping around in the box. People are excited. When Ozuna hits the ball off the wall and is walking to second base, do people people sit there and have to answer those questions? At at 20-something years old, he's hitting home runs. Let him do his job. He doesn't need to be the clubhouse leader. That's what the guys who are 30-something years old, that's Verlander's job. That's Scherzer's job. And those guys haven't stepped up and done their job. They stand there and talk about every injury that they've had, and they make excuses as to why they're not good. Pete Alonso goes out there every day. When is he taking a day off? He goes out there every day, hurt, whatever it is, and he does his job. Does he sit there and say things to the pitchers? Does he try and get people pumped up? I get it. But Pete Alonso does not have to be the so-called clubhouse leader of this team. He needs to be a guy on the field who leads by example. And I don't know, like, maybe that pisses people off, but I think it's fun. It gets kids involved. You know, we played the trumpets last year. Are people pissed that, you know, Edwin Diaz is coming out to trumpets? The guy's got a 179 ERA. If he had a 7 ERA, people would be like, shut the trumpets off. No, but that's, you know, that's the thing, Chris, is that I don't think your closer is going to be your leader. And I don't think, I honestly don't think four, two 40 year old guys at the front of your rotation who are each making $40 million and who pitch once every five days are going to be the leader. I mean, why can't Pete at age 28 look across town and say, here's a guy, he doesn't make any trouble with anybody. He doesn't make any, uh, he doesn't have to yell at anybody. He doesn't have to, um, you know, be a vocal leader. Or all he has to do is step on the field and do things the right way, handle the media the right way. Why don't I take a page out of Judge's playbook? But I think that's also the Yankees' way. Like, the Yankees have always had that way of, you know, don't step up and be that way. The Mets are different. The Mets are not a, hey, you have to shave your beard, you got to show up and do this, and you got to wear the pinstripes. The Mets are the Mets. Think about the 86. None of those guys were necessarily doing that. You had a different guy out there. You had Gary Carter being the leader. You know, you had, you know, some other guys out in the field that were trying to be leaders. You didn't, you know, the, the guys who were hitting home runs, Dallas Strawberry, those guys, they were out doing whatever they wanted to do and nobody cared. I don't think Pete Alonso needs to be the clubhouse leader. I think that's Lindor's job and I think, you know, unfortunately it's a guy that pitches every fifth day that needs to be that. 
And you know what? If Buck has a problem with it, then he needs to be the one to step up. Cap, I agree with you in terms of, you know, Alonzo, he's a gamer, he's out there, he's playing every day, and, you know, and he's, he's producing what he needs to produce. The only thing I've seen, and, and you mentioned about, you know, getting people excited and, and, and doing this thing, which, which, okay. I just, I got a sense that when he's not going well, you can read it on his face. And I, I think he's got to, he's got to make the decision. Okay, if he wants to be that one way, where he's pumping people up and he's talking to the pitchers and he's doing all this other stuff, when you're down, you still got to be the same way. It, it, it seems like even still, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause you know, I, I, you watch the team a lot more than I do right now, but it seems like when he's in a funk, that, that he's in a funk. Like you, you just can't, you can tell he wears, his emotions both positive and negative on his sleeve. And if he's, if he's going to be one way, I think he's got to stay that way. It, it, am I missing something with him just kind of, you know, shutting down when he's not doing well? I don't think so. I think he is who he is. He goes okay. out there every day. And if he's, if he's off, he stands up to the media and he says, you know what? Tonight wasn't my night. We got to be better. You tell me that Jeff McNeil is better at holding his emotions than, than, than Pete Alonso. Jeff McNeil slams his helmet every time, throws his bat down. We're talking a batting champ from last year. The batting champ. That guy's got to hold his, himself better. That's when you know the Mets are in a funk. When you're guys who are normally the guys that step up, have a bad day, and they wear their emotions, and they're just throwing it back, they're not doing anything. Those guys are the weak guys. You know, I think the guys that show up every day and, you know, they have a bad game, I don't think Pete is, is, is negative. I think he tries to get people pumped up. You know, people go around the bases kind of flexing their muscles a little bit. I think that's part of the game. You know, some people don't like it. You're old-fashioned. Fine, then being somebody. I don't think Charlie Morton hit Pete Alonso intentionally. He went up and in, first pitch, didn't hit him. Pete swung and missed. He threw another one, went into the locker room, said, Pete, I'm sorry. Pete apologized. Pete took the apology. Pete didn't stand up to the media and say, that guy's an a-hole. He hit me. Now my hand's all messed up. He said, you know, this guy came and apologized. I think he stands up to the media, does the right thing. Tomorrow night he's going to be out at the Paramount raising money, having comedy. Like, he, he goes out to the ballpark, raises money for his high school. So he, the guy does things the right way. It's just the way everybody else now wants to perceive it because the Mets are not winning. All right, one more quick one for me, uh, Chris, and this is under the category of there are no sacred cows. Last year, you would not hear a Met fan within 300 miles level any criticism at Buck Showalter. Now this year, on social media, on the talk shows, you're hearing this stuff about Buck is mentally checked out. He seems like he's off in a cloud somewhere. Are you buying any of that stuff? I mean, who's making the lineup? Billy Epler's uh, statisticians. A hundred percent, he he is. He has to do a better job of making the lineup. And um, I think he's gotten outclassed a little bit this year. Sometimes no he, other he problems out with Buck, though, Chris. No other. No, I'm asking you. No other problems with Buck. From no, your I've standpoint? had many problems. I mean, there's been situations where. Um, he goes out there and, and puts a left-handed, puts Vogel back in as a pinch hitter, knowing there's a lefty for the other team warming up in the bullpen. Like he forces, he ch he overthinks sometimes, and at other times, I just don't think he has a feel. Drew Smith is not a guy that goes beyond three batters. Lets him stay in, boom. So I think he he doesn't manage the bullpen this year um, very well, and I think his his lineup decision has been bad. Uh, you have to get on him for those things, but. No matter who's coaching the team this year, the Mets are a 500 or worse team. Thanks for bringing the heat, Chris. Always a pleasure, man. Stay fired up. Boys. 
and we will talk to you soon. All right. Hang in there, Cap. Right, talk to you soon, guys. Better days ahead, man. Let's All go. right, 516-623-1240, some Yankees talk after the break. Also, some NBA finals, some NBA draft, and what the Knicks should do in the offseason coming up after the break. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Sports Talk New York right here on WGBB. With the spot on sports, guys, the Trez man, Mike Trezza, the coach, Mike Gadone. And I'll tell you, Mike, Chris was fired up, man. That was great. I loved it. Well, you know what? It, you have to be, if you're a a passion Med fan like he is, who spends a lot of money to go out. He's a member of the Seven Line Army, but they bet they, those guys and girls spend a lot of money to go watch that team. And, and you, you see what's been going on. You can't help but get fired up. 516-623-1240. I neglected to mention at the beginning, we are on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, every place you find your podcast, you can find us. We're going to switch gears right now and talk some New York Yankees, Mike, because honestly, it hasn't been a bed of roses for them either. Not not really. Uh, you know, they have the unfortunate circumstance of being in the same division as Tampa Bay. It's just, I mean, you, you could do an entire show on, on Tampa Bay and that their, you know, their payroll is slightly higher than than uh, Scherzer and Verlander combined for the Mets, but um, they're 48 and 20. So Yankees sitting at 38 and 28. Put some nine back, you know, not not horrific, but I know it's not what you what you're looking for at the moment. I think the injuries, as we talked about briefly, you know, before we came in, uh, Harrison Bader can't stay healthy. Stanton can't stay healthy. You know, huge huge impact. And now you have Judge, who you know came off some of the the hottest and most amazing baseball. I think in that that Dodgers series. I mean, he he looked like King Kong. Yeah, but, you know, here's the thing. I mean, with Judge, at least when he gets hurt, I mean, all right, the slide into third base that put him on the shelf earlier this season, that was, listen, that's unfortunate. Um, I would tell Judge, don't slide head first anymore. I would yeah, tell right. all my guys, don't slide into head, uh, head first anymore. Judge Mike, he's a big man, but again, he hustles on the base paths, he hustles in the outfield, he crashes into walls, he jumps over walls, he dives in the outfield, he does everything you can do. Um, people look at him as a slugger, he's not just the slugger, he's a lot more than that. And so, I mean, at this point in time, I guess you'll live with some of the injuries, but you know, you mentioned Bader and Stanton, Mike, I mean, Bader, you know, this is a guy who looks like he's in great shape. He hurt himself just getting out of the box. It's unbelievable. I mean, he he came, correct me if I'm wrong, when he came to the Yanks last year, he was hurt. He was already on the show. He was hurt already. And then, you know, showed great 
showed what he does when he got healthy. But yeah, he's he's not that type of player that that you can afford to have out of the lineup like he's been. No, and and the thing is with with Bader, um, yeah, okay, it's twice now this season. And what's unfortunate about it is that when he came back, he really gave the team. A lift when Judge was out the first time. And then a couple weeks later, he's on the shelf again. Stanton, I mean, listen, you and I have talked about it ad nauseum, Mike, for this is our third baseball season in a row on the air. I mean, Stanton, when he is hot, he can carry a baseball team for two, three weeks easily. Nobody can get him out. The problem is that every time he gets hurt, it takes him two and three weeks to start hitting again. And then you just cross your fingers that by the time he gets hot again, the next injury's not going to come. It, 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 you're a thousand percent right because it is. It's like a it's like a wheel with him. It, it, it's like a it, you know a, a mouse on on one of those wheels chasing cheese. He's up, he's down. He's up, he's down. He's up, he's down. And as soon as he starts getting hot, yeah, then it's some silly injury that does. It takes it takes forever to get back from. You know. I, one of the other guys I wanted to ask you about too, which is just mind-boggling to me, because when when he first was with the team, I thought, you know, just a tremendous player, DJ Lemayo. Yeah, I I, when, I, what is, I knew you were going to go right yeah. there, Mike. And, and the thing what is, what has happened to him? He he's he's terrible. I mean, he got a couple injuries; they were pretty serious. He tried to, I guess, come back before he should have. And and right now, Mike, he's under two forty. Oh. I mean, this is a guy who. Just a couple of years ago, led the league in hitting. Yeah. yeah, it was three forty. So I mean, he's lost a hundred uh, points off his average. He does not drive the ball with any authority anymore. I mean, the one thing you could say about DJ is, no matter where you put him in the infield, his glove is good. But right. again, that's Six, not enough. Sixty-one strikeouts in fifty-eight games. Yeah, yeah I mean, for a batting champ, you can't. Have no, I, I mean, the, those strikeouts are so uncharacteristic. He's swinging at absolute garbage when he gets up there all right so the prize rookie anthony volpe you know volpe listen there's been a lot of talk about him um maybe he shouldn't have made the team out of spring training maybe earlier in the year when you had the chance and you were going okay you could have sent him down for a couple cups of coffee gotten his swing right because honestly mike i don't like his swing yeah um he's a small guy and now that he's hit I think it's nine, ten home runs. Nine home runs. Okay. He's starting to uppercut the ball. And, and you know, here's the thing. I say to him what I would say to Glaber. You guys are not big guys. You're not Judge. You're not Stanton. You're not even Rizzo. Please stop swinging for the fences and start trying to get some singles and get on base and set the table. Especially Volpe. He's got 14 stolen bases. So yeah. he's, he's, he's got speed. So why would you – I guarantee you there's somebody within the organization who's talking about a launch angle and all this other nonsense about hitting the ball out of the – yeah, put it hit, – hit singles, doubles, get, get yourself on base, get your swing right, as you said. Exactly. And the same thing with Glaber. Glaber falls in love. All he has to do is hit two home runs and then for the next month he's upcutting everything he sees, Mike. And it's just, you know, it's really frustrating. There's no such thing as a table setter anymore. And I know using terms like that, we sound like old school guys, you know. The the game, I mean, we both have to admit the game has changed and not, not for the better. I mean, it, it is what it is. It's all about the home run. And the Yankees have been, you know, a power hitting team forever. But the, I think kind of like we discussed with the Mets, what's the identity of the Yankees as a hitting team? 
Well, I mean, they're supposed to be the Bronx Bombers, you know, and, and the problem is that the guys who should be um, say, uh, table setters want in on that, you know, uh, on that moniker as being one of the Bronx Bombers, you know, and it's just, um, it's not good right now. Uh, Volpe should be hitting, I would say, even though he's a rookie, he should be up to 245, 250. He shouldn't yeah. be down under 200 at this point in the season, Mike. Well, even, even if he's, you know, 220, 230, he's in that 70 strikeout range now. So he's not making, like you say, he's not making contact. It's amazing that he's got 14 stolen bases. I wouldn't think he's on base all that much. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that Rizzo had a great streak and then he had that injury. Um, yeah. where he collided with the guy at first base, hurt the neck, and he's now back in the lineup, but he's not doing anything. So it's going to take him another little while to launch. I, I think you'd have to be happy with him, though, before that injury. Oh, I, I think, was. yeah, I mean, I he's, he's probably over, you know, over, overstated his, his estimations for the season. To talk about a leader. I love that guy. That, I do too. That's the kind of guy I'd like on my team, you know, because he, he's just, he is what he is. He, he, he's not, a, he's not an up and down guy. He, he's, he's positive. You know, he'll get up someone's butt if necessary. Um, he's, he to me is an old school baseball player. Absolutely. And, and that gives Judge the luxury of being the good cop right. because he, he knows that when he needs a bad cop, there's Rizzo to do that kind of stuff. Sit a guy down, have a little chat with him and say, this is not the way this is done here. All right, so, um, you know, but it's funny, Mike. You look at the Yankees outfield right now. You know, I mean, we thought this was going to be the Oswald and Oswaldo show, and instead it, now it's the Billy and Willie show. Billy McKinney, oh Willie Calhoun, you got IKF out there in the outfield. I mean, guys that you never thought would, would see any time anywhere. Never. I, I mean, is that so – the Yankees have always been known for, for their outfield. I mean, just an outstanding – you know, and of course we, you know, judges heard and all that stuff. But yeah, who who would have thought that those guys, especially IKF? I mean, he was. You knew that he, if he was going to stay with the team because of Volpe, that he had, was going to have to make a position change. Um, I, I give him a lot of credit because I think he's done a better than average job. You know, defensively in the outfield, he doesn't look you know silly lost out there. Uh, but it, is he a long term answer for you? Um, you know, the thing that the thing they got that, rid of Hicks, so that was, you know, yeah, that's another that, that thing had too. to be done, Mike. Yeah, you yeah. know, but of course, when you got rid of Hicks, you didn't see, you didn't foresee all these other yeah. things coming. But the thing I still don't understand, Mike, is why, with a real dearth of quality in the outfield, why will you still not put Stanton in the outfield? He's not played out there one time since he's been back. And, and he's, he, again, correct me if I'm wrong, he has stated that he actually. He prefers playing in the outfield because it helps his hitting. They won't put him out there. Well, I guess maybe they're afraid he's going to get hurt because he gets hurt walking to the water cooler. Yeah, and, and the other guy that we've seen a heavy dose of out in the outfield is Jake Bowers. Now, again, um, he's got some pop in his bat. Not bad, um, but lousy outfielder, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's five home runs, but only 11 RBIs. He's hitting, you know, 225. Um, it, it's... It really is amazing how we're sitting here and on June, let's see, June 11th, and, and still both, both our baseball teams just need some kind of, of identity and, and take the injuries aside because everybody's got injuries. But, you know, who's plugging in where? Who's playing what? I, I wanted to just, you know, change gears here for a minute, Mike, with you on pitching. I, you know, Garrett Cole, 
we, we talked before the season that, that maybe he was ready, you know, MVP type stuff for, you know, Cy Young. What do you say? Seven and one, 2.84 ERA. I mean, he, he's just, he's killing it. Yeah, but you know, the first seven or eight starts, he was, he had an ERA under one yeah. for like six or seven starts. And now they've started to hit him a little bit. He's given up some home runs. But again, you know, as you say, seven and one with an ERA under three, that's great. You know, but the problem is that, um, nobody thought that the rest of the rotation was basically going to be, listen, I'm clamoring for, <laughs> for Herman to get out there <laughs> the next time. Cause uh, honestly, other than Cole, he's been our best pitcher. Yeah, what what about what about Nestor? Now Nestor was a great story last year. You know, he's got that that funky wind up and and all sorts of stuff. Um, are people starting to figure him out a little bit? Well, I mean, he's, he's, on, he's on the IL now yeah. for a couple more starts. You know, again, so they've had this kid Vasquez one turn. He's probably going to get another turn uh, against the Mets, and you know. I mean, um, behind Cole, Mike, there's, there's really not much there. And yeah. thank goodness, even though the Yankees don't have what you would think of right now as a bona fide closer, their bullpen has actually been really good. Oh, as a Mets fan, I, I would, I would kill for the Yankee bullpen. They really have been. I mean, it's, it, I, I think their bullpen is a matter of guys, unlike what Cap was saying with the Mets, like putting guys in positions to fail. The Yankees are putting guys in positions to do what they need to do, and they're they're rising to the occasion and and not not falling to the moment. Yeah, and, and you know the Boone haters out there, I got uh, something to on. say to you. you know, I, I mean, come on, I Folks, always that drives me. Insane. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, you look at these guys, and I mean, Clay Holmes to me is not a bona fide closer. No, but yet still, Ron Marinaccio, uh, Michael King. Wandy Peralta. He seems to press Mike all the right buttons with these guys who are high quality guys, but again, there's no Edwin Diaz in there. No. You know, so I mean I, I don't understand why these Yankee fans love to knock Boone every day. You have to have a great feel for your team to be able to do that, to mix and match your bullpen, especially with your guys who are closing. That means your fingers on the pulse of of, of the daily strengths of what's going on who's not feeling well who needs a day off i mean you got to be really really on top of that so kudos to him absolutely yeah i I don't know what it is i guess maybe because i mean he he had great moments as a player for the yankees wasn't wasn't a long-term yankee but i don't know maybe it's just something to pick on Five one six six two three twelve forty. Still got about thirteen fifteen minutes left if you want to give us a call yankees mets uh nba finals Anything you guys want, we'll take your call right now. I'll even take calls on Aaron Rodgers, although I'm sick of him already. <laughs> I, so, I, I made, Mike, I made a joke when you weren't here. That I said that you were on assignment. My next thing was going to be that you were tracking down Aaron Rodgers for his latest <laughs> recipes on ayahuasca. Oh. And different things. I mean, boy, football, I, I can't Sitting wait for next foo- to him in the, the black hole. I'm telling you, man, I, I can't wait for football season because it is going to just be fantastic. It's going to be great, but in the meantime, Mike, we got the NBA Finals going on. Yes. Hey, listen, I mean, once Miami won a game in Denver, then I got interested. You know, I sure. thought that they really were going to make a series out of it. When they dropped both at home, um, listen, down 3-1 right now, what are your prospects for uh, the Miami Heat right very, now? Very, very unlikely that, that they, they extend this series, you know, past the next game. I mean, the, the Denver Nuggets were built. For the postseason, they were built for the season. I mean, there's nothing about them right now that you would say, 
uh, that's a weakness or whatever else. They have the greatest player on the planet in in, in Jokic. Yeah, everybody calls him the Joker, but there's nothing to joke about with his no. game. You know, thirty. No. He's averaging so far in the playoffs thirty points a game, nine point eight assists, thirteen point three. He's almost averaging a triple double. Uh, he take take away his post scoring. He'll shoot from outside. Take away his passing. You know, he, he's making cuts to the basket. He does. He looks like you know just a big huge guy that, that you would see. You know. In in one of those you know eighties movies that was about the Iron Curtain, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, breaking people's kneecaps, like a Rocky, uh, right? Rocky Four, exactly. Or something, he, yeah. but man, he, the guy can play, and Jamal Murray has has also he has now come to the next level, uh, twenty six and a half points a game, and then you plug in a little bit of Aaron Gordon now, Michael Porter Jr. who who is on a max contract, he should be doing much better, but as long as you have Gordon and Murray. You know, doing what they're doing along with Jokic, Porter can just kind of go around and do his thing. Um, do I see them losing another game at home? No, without 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 a chance. On the flip side, you look at at the Heat now. Jimmy Butler, you can't ask anything more from him. But I, it's amazing. You know, Bam Adebayo, another a second a second superstar ish kind of guy. Um, but what's after that, what what's left on their team? No, those role players disappear, Mike. I oh, mean, yeah. um, the the Duncan Robinsons, the Caleb Martins, the even to some lesser degree Lowry and Gabe Vincent kind of disappeared. They get they were a little bit exposed because um, I think part of the reason is Denver so much bigger at each position. When I watched that game one, I was like, this looks like high school kids against college players. I mean, this is the the difference in size at every position was stark. And here's a couple other takeaways I had, Mike. Number one, I didn't want to gush about Jokic, but honestly, when you watch him, there's no way you can not gush about That's him. That's true. I mean, the guy, he just does everything well. And, it, you, you know, it was funny. I think it was game one. They dug up some old scouting report on him, how he was like this big lumbering doofus, and he was unathletic, and he was slow, and he was... Uh, he, not that good a shooter and, and not that good at this and not that athletic and not that. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is the guy they're talking about? You know, because he plays out in the mountain time zone where, let's be honest, he's not getting a lot of national exposure. And even when he is, I mean, the casual fan is not watching the Denver Nuggets play. So, you know, and, and my other takeaway was this, Mike. As a, as a um, Brooklyn Nets fan, okay, I feel good for Jeff Green and Bruce Brown. Yes. Two guys that the net, that the Nets in their infinite stupidity could not wait to run out of here. Every single day they played for the Nets, they did whatever they were asked to do, fulfilled multiple roles, um were were good guys, were were solid guys and now they're part of the rotation on a team that's about to win the championship and here's what I say as long as it's not Durant and as long as it's not Kyrie good for you yeah absolutely i mean they jeff green i we we talked about before in the past good guy I, oh great guy and that's that he he he's the anti Kyrie and the anti Durant. No question. So that's those guys probably didn't like having him on the team and asked for him to go. But you know, just doubling back one second, amazing how you know I had this conversation with someone the other day about about basketball players and and who you know who are the best players in the world right now. You're looking at at you know the Joker obviously, Luka Doncic. Where, where now 
you you can say John Morant. We can get to him. You know, the, the Flash and LeBron and you know Steph Curry and whatever else. Now they're LeBron's LeBron. Curry's the shooter, can pass whatever else. But when you're looking at fundamental basketball players who can do everything, there's not an American to be found anywhere that you go. Wow, you know what? That that's a guy who harkens back to time, and everybody can laugh at me about being old school, but. Listen, those are two of the best basketball players in the world. And I'm surprised you didn't mention Tim Duncan, who, by the way, didn't even grow up exactly. in the United States. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, you're right about that. That part of, that part of it is a little sad, you know, but the thing is, is that, Mike, you know, you're a coach. You know this better than I. Um, well, I mean, you, you coach girls, so it's a little bit different, but with the guys, um, I think that coaches get worn down and they get beaten down and they say, hey, you know what? Do it your way. Absolutely. Have you seen a couple of times this year in the NBA players actually running the huddles and, and with the whiteboard? It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, that's why people are saying, you know, why don't why don't some of the other college coaches like you know Tom Izzo or uh, Jay Wright, you know, what, don't they want to come to the NBA? Are you kidding me? For no. for no. what? No. It's no substantial pay raise, and it's like banging your head against the ground. And and let's talk now. NBA draft real quickly. Yeah. Who's the consensus number one? Is he an American from a college or from the G League or from the, the you know, no. It's Victor Wembayama from France. Say that again for me. Okay. Victor Wembayama. <laughs> I knew you couldn't say there's a, it twice. There's a, Wow. There's a lot of vowels and consonants in there. I'm sorry to, to my high school English teacher. You know, and, and here's what's funny about that, Mike, is that, you know, um, when these guys come from Europe or other places around the world and you haven't seen them yet, um, who knows what this, what this guy's really like, but supposedly at 7-4, um, a shot blocker, a shooter runs the, runs the floor like a point guard can do a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, listen, Pop is going to get one more kick at the can because he's yeah. going to get Victor Wimbayana. Well, interesting. There was a, some news today on him that uh, in his in his final game in, in the series that he plays in over in France that he struggled offensively, didn't take many shots. But here was the other side of it: he dominated defensively. So while he might not be you know an amazing offensive player to begin with in the NBA, his defense is going to carry. It. So you know anybody that's worried about his offense, don't worry about it because he will his defense will carry and the offense will come you know on those rough nights. And I got two names for you, Mike. I know I'm going to go back a long way for each of these guys. But, by the way, both guys who didn't grow up in the United States, Patrick Ewing, yep. Akeem Olajuwon. There you go. Both defense-first guys coming into the NBA and then developed that offensive skill set going forward. Which is absolutely, and they're, they're you know, Hakeem's back to the, the basket game is now legendary. Patrick was more of just kind of a dunker in college. Um, and he, he, to some people's chagrin, developed the turnaround jumper and was a, but, you know, was a scorer down there as well. This guy from France, he's, he's already, you know, shown NBA range, um, in his workouts, in his league. So it's, it's a matter of, he, he's like a unicorn because he can play a little bit inside. Uh, but, but he's, he already has touch. And like you said, yeah, he was a, you know, point guard. That was the same thing with Jokic. He, growing up, he, he grew six inches in a year one time. He was a point, he was just a big kind of chubby point guard when he was younger. Um, so he, that's how he developed the touch around the basket, the passing. Um, you know, what, what I wouldn't do on, on the Knicks or the Nets for someone like that.
Yeah, you know, um, I remember the guy who was called a, a unicorn coming on to the Knicks, Chris Stapps Porzingis. Oh, and what the heck ever happened to his career, Mike? Well, there actually have been some rumors that he might be coming back to the Wow, Knicks. very uh, interesting. We, we, we wanted to touch on, you know, maybe a little Nixon and before we finished up, uh, You'd said to me before, you know, if I was if I was running things, what would I do? That's a very tough call because you have Julius Randle now, third team All NBA, um, coming off an injury. He's, he he obviously was hobbled in the postseason, had to have surgery. Um, he still gave it his all, even though people are ripping his posters down. I was when you weren't here last time. I was I was ripping Knicks fans over that. I thought that that was just awful thing to do to be blaming on him. The the guy tried his best. Is he always sunshine and rainbows? No, but um, so you're not trading him. So anybody who wants to or anybody who thinks you need to, it's not happening. You're not trading Julius. You're not trading him. Not not now. I mean, but I mean coming off surgery. No, don't expect no. that before the season starts. Maybe no, later on. That's true. But in the off season, who's who's gonna Who's going to trade for someone making all that money coming off an ankle surgery? Yeah, it's not that's happening. true. So you, you have to kind of temper that. Where are you going from there? You know, Jalen Brunson was unbelievable. Terrific. Exceeded expectations. Terrific. Yeah, I mean, our, how long have we been doing these shows, Mike? Three years? This is the, yeah, it's two and a half years. How long? Every time we talk about R.J. Barrett, it's like potential. What's he? He's not shooting well yet. Some good times he's great. Sometimes he's not. I love the guy to death because I just think he's a pro, but... I, you know, has his time passed to where he's marketable, or do you want to keep him? You know, RJ, uh, listen, that's, that's a really tough call. I mean, your offense has to be built now around Jalen Brunson, and you have to get some shooting in here, Mike, and if it costs you RJ Barrett in order to get a bona fide three-point shooter, legitimate guy, then I, I say, Pull the trigger, make the deal, get RJ out of here, and get somebody who has a little bit more range and can hit that three a little bit more consistently. And there's always guys out there, and for some reason, the Knicks, three-point shooting, you know, going back to Kiki Vandaway. I mean, sorry, guys, who are, you know, young out there listening. (laughs) I mean, it's like the Knicks have always been searching for the shooter. I mean, Starks was a shooter. Rolando Blackman back in the day, you know, they had had guys. But... Uh, it's they're not going to address it in the, in the draft because guess what guys they don't have a first round pick. Mike, give give me a quick update on the Yankee game, if you will, please. Yankee game, which is always fun when they're playing Boston, even if you don't like, you know, either, this is this is ESPN's dream to have the the Sunday night game. So we're mid seventh. Yankees are up 2-1. All right, I'll take it. And that's going to do it for us tonight from here at Sports Talk New York with the spot on sports guys, Trez and Gadone. We're back in two weeks on the 2nd of July, or is that three weeks? Whatever it is, Brian Graves, great job. Thank you very much, Chris Caputo. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.